Hello and welcome to my weekly podcast interview of In the House Seats with me, your host, Craig Bartley. This is where every Sunday we talk about all stuff regarding theatre, film, television and the ups and downs while training for the performing arts industry. Who knows, some things could even relate to your experiences as a theatre wannabe or participant. Or if you are a parent or guardian of a future performer, it may help you to understand about training and the entertainment industry from a different perspective and someone else's point of view. I will be speaking to professional performers, choreographers, adjudicators and industry leaders to find out more about them and their transitions and journeys from learning their crafts to the professionals that they are today. All you need to do is sit back, relax, enjoy and listen with us. Well, hello, listeners. Here we are. It's Craig Bartley again from Move It here, the world's largest expo in dance and performing arts at London's XL. With me, I have Miss Deborah Laws. Hi, Craig. So tell us about your company, Deborah. Oh, well, I run a company called Dance Business Lab, which is um, basically some, some business support for those running dance schools. Because as you're probably aware, there's lots of opportunity to train, to become amazing teachers, to be awesome artists and creatives, but there's not a lot of help out there when it comes to knowing how to run a business. There certainly is, and it's very, very important because that's how things can go very, very wrong. Because I hear quite a lot about a new young lady which might have opened up in a local church hall and I might get a, a child come to us and apply in the, in the school, not the college. And the parent has seen, well, she's had fun, but she's not really doing something substantial. Um, and she's a lovely girl. And all that goes through my, my mind is safe dance practice. Is it working properly? Has she paid her PRS PPL for the music? Is she insured? And all the rest of it that goes with business management for dance. It's not just a fly-by-night cash cow when you're dealing with children. Mm. Absolutely. And I think the problem is that most people that, that have a skill in the studio think that that is all they need as long as the kids have a great time and they're training them to presumably a good standard that you know as long as they turn up and they've got their music system and the parents are happy then you know that's everything and the, the problem is it's not always sustainable and you know apart from the the need to make sure for safeguarding that everything is covered you know at, at some point we don't want to end up 20 years down the line and realize that we're still not taking a wage yeah. <laughs> and we're still not you know earning a living and someone else is supporting us because the dance school doesn't make any money absolutely why is it that parents always think and, and well not just parents anybody really thinks that if you own a business in performing arts you are loaded it <laughs> is i mean it's just a laughable situation <laughs> i mean if i was loaded i certainly wouldn't be having a school in medway that's for sure yeah <laughs> so tell us about your background Oh, so I trained at Lane Theatre Arts and then danced professionally for a short, only a very short period because I always knew my passion was teaching. Right. I had a couple of great mentors that taught me and I knew that that's, that was where my passion really lied. So as soon as I really stopped performing, I went straight into teaching and taught for several years for the, the same school. Soon decided I wanted my own school. 
one wasn't enough, so I ended up building five branches over three <laughs> over three counties. <laughs> also ran a teacher training centre for the ISTD. I'm an ISTD modern tap examiner right. as well. And so for um, those listeners, the ISTD is the Imperial Society of Teachers of Dance. Yes, and so you know, really kind of, I think I always had a bit of an entrepreneur spirit because you know. I also bought a franchise theatre school and just kind of, I think, loved to grasp opportunities. Right. So everything that came along, I kind of said yes to. And before I knew it, I had a, a little empire of my own, as some people <laughs> like used to me, call it's it. It's very hard to say no sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I think when you are a doer and you are motivated and you love your job, mm. then, you know, the more the more kids... I mean, to me, it was all about the more kids I can reach, the more joy I can bring. Right. Because that's how I knew to bring joy to, you know... To the, to the rest of the world yeah. and so you know when I kind of pivoted a little bit well a lot in the last couple of years into the, the business coaching side of things it, it kind of still felt like it was part of my pathway because my my kind of thing now is if I can help the business studios the, the business school owners to be more successful that will impact more students yeah. because we all start dancing at a school somewhere at yeah. some point in time of that actually starting where did you start off let's give them a shout out oh well as in like when I was tiny when you were tiny yes oh gosh so when I the very first school I went to was a school called the Janet Blake School of Dance in Hastings which I believe is just about still running now which is a long time ago right. 50 years ago and I think my teacher my original teacher was, was um, an all England judge in festivals because it was a very festival school yes. and yeah has been around for a really really long time yeah and then did you progress on to somewhere else apart from lanes did, was there another transition there yeah yeah I moved to Newbury when I was 10 don't actually remember the name of that lady so sorry I can't give her a shout out and then we moved to Devon a couple of years later um, and my teacher there was the Gainer, Gainer Walter School of Dance okay. and she was also an ISTD modern and tap examiner nice. so um, so you've been consistent yeah yeah I think sometimes that's um, a loyal thing you know there's a lot of people that go to various schools a different genre and it sometimes can get even though an awarding body sets a syllabus sometimes they have different methods and sometimes I think consistency is good unless you're doing open classes which you can go and broaden your horizons there but when it comes to examination work I think consistency is really um, good and it's nice to show also loyalty to something because there's not so much respect and loyalty around nowadays especially to the dance teacher that people keep that loyalty going to what exam board they've been doing or or to that particular teacher that's offering that syllabus. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I my sort of pathway with the ISTD started when I was 10, and I kind of progressed all the way up until I went to Lane at 16. Is that why you chose Lane? Because Betty Lane was on every faculty imaginable and board of directors and so forth. Yeah, it wasn't the reason why I chose right. it, no. It's a phenomenal college regardless, folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't the reason, but I was really pleased that I was able to, at that time, continue with my ISTD exams. Right. And then obviously, as I came, came back and then started to teach for a strong ISCD school and then kind of went on I'm actually the regional representative for the ISCD in the southwest right obviously became an examiner and in fact I've also run an approved center for teaching the qualifications so okay. yeah I, I mean people I, I say you know cut me and I bleed ISCD <laughs> yeah. just because yeah. that's what I have 
been kind of grew up with and, and have continued it's what to you know, isn't further it? my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. encourage somebody to come into dance nowadays I think find yourself a really good school and I just wish that parents would ask more questions unfortunately you probably know as well Craig you know the number of people over the past 30 years of me teaching that have asked for what qualifications I have or my staff have is is not not even on one hand like no. and people don't ask about DBS checks are your staff insured I mean they are literally ask no questions yeah this is this this galls me because you you invest a lot into your training as a facilitator of a school and this is where the dance business side comes in because you work so hard to make sure that your school runs correctly and in the right procedures yet you might get somebody that might just come out of school or have a, a level three BTEC or something just from a generic um, mainstream and just think that they're a dancing teacher and it just doesn't work like that because of safe, um, safe can't speak today, safe dance practice and also child development and child safeguarding as we spoke about earlier. I think that it's really important and you're quite right that they don't ask questions, and I find quite a lot that they don't ask me questions either. They might look at the website and take it for face value, but I think personally they should ask, ask questions because they certainly wouldn't leave their child with a random in the street. Yet, if somebody hasn't got qualifications and they're in a local church or doing bend and stretch one hour a week, you basically, if you haven't asked questions and you're going to a reputable centre um, and school and so forth, you basically have just left your child unattended with a random person. Yeah, and it's a real shame because in our industry at the moment, I do hope it changes one day, there is no legislation that mm. says you have to have certain procedures or qualifications. And that's the scariest thing. You know, yeah. you don't actually, by law, have to even have a DBS. Yeah. And I think the thing is nowadays, parents just expect that you have. They yeah. take it for granted that you have. But, I mean, when I ran my theatre school, we had to have a, a folder that we carried around with us that had all our certificates and all our processes. So that, yeah, yeah, if people came, you could say, yes, absolutely, we're all qualified. And, you know, yeah. here it is, I can show you. But, you know, people never asked to see it. And, yeah. yeah, that's a shame because it does mean that there's a lot of kids going to places that, you know, perhaps aren't going to give them the best training. Yeah, that's very important to me, I have to say. about dance business mm, dance business lab well I, I kind of fell into it because I got to the stage I've been running my school for about 24 years and I couldn't quite work out as you know a motivated businesswoman how I still wasn't earning as much as the national minimum wage and this kind of worried me slightly because <laughs> I thought if after 24 I was like four I'm not I'm not sitting on a super yacht drinking cocktails and I doubt it's gonna happen and so I kind of thought you know what what is it that's missing because the passion's there yeah. like the drive is there yeah and so I kind of took myself on a bit of a journey and I, I I spent kind of four or five years actually learning specifically about the business side of running a dance school and that took me to Australia America Scotland I spent a small fortune actually well still am on you know my own learning and kind of I got to the stage that I started to implement it all in my school and 
it, it kind of changed everything overnight. I mm. mean, my school doubled, my franchise school more than doubled, and my school started to feel very different, look and feel very different, even to the public. I had friends that ran schools, and they'd say, what are you doing? Like, what's going on in your school? It feels really different. And I started to share a few of the things I was learning with some friends that had schools, with examiner friends, and literally within about two or three weeks, I had people saying, can I pay you? Like, could I pay you to teach me this stuff? And so I started to just quietly coach one-to-one, you know, basically friends, friends and, and, and people I'd known for a long time. And I got to the stage where I was maxed out. I didn't have any more time because I was still running my schools and mm. examining and doing everything else. And I just felt this incredible desire to help more, to yeah. help more because it just... It was making my life so much easier once I had all those business foundations in place. And I just thought, gosh, like the rest of the rest of the UK needs this. Like yeah. there, there didn't really seem to be much. There's there's um, there's business coaches in America for dance studio owners. There, there's people in Australia, highly successful. They've got great programs and there wasn't anything really like it in the UK. And so, you know, the intention was that I would sell my school, sell my theatre school, focus on teaching the business side of running a a dance school. And I was kind of kind of do this in about six to eight months, have a nice website ready, a few trainings, know what it was I was going to put out there. And then COVID happened. Right. And so literally as you know Craig you know our whole industry went into meltdown overnight <laughs> and the rest and, <laughs> and, gosh, and you know all these poor teachers and kids you know suddenly a rug pulled out from underneath them and and I just thought you know what I can't wait six months like mm. people people need this now like they mm. need to have somebody or someone to look to that can help them through this horrendously scary time and so I actually launched the, the, the business model that I'd intended to do like in 24 hours right and signed up I think we had 30 members you know within a week um, and I started to do online trainings and zoom trainings and started to teach people about you know how to pivot because at that time nobody knew how to go online yeah. you know that was all new and scary and I was just basically there trying to hold everybody together yeah well it's likewise with myself because being uh, an international federation adjudicator everything was pulled out from us as well so i was trying to (laughs) do the kind thing and have children facilitated in a festival movement and also to employ federation adjudicators as well so i i started the first online international festival digitally and um, i had people from all over the world enter sections and it just it just really hit off obviously like anything other people bought into it and it started to filter down that's when i take a step back and it's likewise with yourself you're trying to facilitate people to keep them encouraged in in the arts and and develop them and keep their faith more than anything in the arts and and it's to really tell them it's not your fault this pandemic is not about you you know it's not your fault you haven't sorted you know you haven't brought this on and you'll be all right it's it's like an encouragement comfort blanket in a way isn't it yeah yeah and i think the biggest problem that not the biggest problem the biggest challenge that everybody had was was really that mindset like an emotional Mm. roller coaster it Mm. was just crazy for everybody and so I think you know I remember one of the first trainings that I did I had so many people came on we had over 100 people came on I did a lot of stuff free in, in the first instance and I literally just did a mindset and positivity training mm. for everyone and I just tried to let them see exactly what you've just seen this is this isn't anything to do with you 
but it's up to you how you deal with this. Yes. Um, and that was, I, I think, you know, very powerful for a lot of people. Mm. And I think that COVID actually, ah, perhaps I'm wrong in saying this, I don't know. It, I think it has made a lot of people reevaluate their journey of life. And in another aspect, it's weaned out the people that shouldn't be teaching the arts as well. So it's gone hand in hand, as well as being a negative for everybody because of the scenario that we went through. But it's also been a positive to add clarity and cleanse the system of the performing arts sectors. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are there are lots of people that aren't sadly with us now in terms yes. of running their schools. Yeah. You know, they've, they've given given them up, decided that it was just too hard. And, you know, and some of those stories are very sad because they were actually very good at what they did. But like you say, there were a lot that then just kind of went, oh, well, I'll just go back to my day job. You know? yeah. And what I discovered was the schools that, that really had, the really passionate schools, actually they came out of it much stronger because, mm. you know, one of the things I was trying to coach people to do was to build the bonds within their mm. school. You know, the stru- it, it was so important that they showed up as the leader in their school. It was so important that they they showed their little community, their dance families, that actually we can all do this and we'll stick together and I'll provide this and it may Support. be different to what you're used to, but your yeah. kids need dance in their lives they yeah. need an outlet they need a physical outlet they need to see their friends on a screen Absolutely. and you know all those things the main thing in the first couple of months i literally was just was working on how you can just shower your kids with love be there for them give them whatever it looks like and it looked different for everybody you know just still be there to support them and and the lovely thing is you know two years later that some of those families and the parents you know they are now more invested in their dance schools and closer to their their principals and their teachers than mm. they ever were before and so mm. it's actually been quite a, a strength building experience for some mm. as well mm. yeah it's fantastic so tell us how um, is it just with the istd this can happen or is it all associations across boards it's actually nothing to do with the ICD. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so Dance Business Lab is my just my own business. I, I still examine for the ISCD and I've done some business seminars for them right. to support their members. But I've also done some seminars for other examination boards as well. And so, yeah, this is just this is my own little thing. Amazing. Well, well done you. That's for sure. Now, how can teachers and facilitators of the arts get in touch with you? So on Facebook, we have a lovely free Facebook group, which is called Dance Business Lab Community. Instagram, we're at Dance Business Lab. And then there's a website as well, which is dancebusinesslab.com. Fantastic. So, Deborah, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I hope for the listeners and facilitators of the arts that this is something that you can really delve into and, you know, just use it as an insight and a learning tool to develop your businesses even further which i think nowadays is really important try and keep in the forefront of your game because if you do then you're going to come up with always the fresh ideas the innovative creative work and and you will you will support you know yourself really and and just keep your business going so thank you so much for talking to me today and uh, it's been a pleasure thanks very much craig This broadcast can be heard on my personal website at www.craigbartley.com 
or tune in on Spotify, iTunes, and don't forget to give us a five-star review, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Worldwide, Amazon, and by looking up In the House Seats with Craig Bartley. Chat soon.